Are we still in Manhattan? No, no, no. We've gone. Uh, we've, that tunnel we went through goes under the Hudson River. So that's We're now in Newark. Yes, it's a tunnel. Place. Oh, it's we have smoked windows. Excuse me. <laughs> Are you reading Yes, I Can? Yeah. Have you read it? Yeah, by Sammy Davis Jr.? Yeah. You know what the title of that book should be? Yes, I Can. If Frank Sinatra says it's okay. Because <laughs> Frank calls the shots for all those guys. Did you get to the part yet where uh, Sammy's coming out of the Copa? And it's about 3 o'clock in the morning and uh, he sees Frank. Frank's walking down Broadway by himself. Fucking libraries. Well, you know, they're not, uh, yeah, they're not used yeah. to that world. Yeah, Frank Sinatra, it's, it's a different uh, world that they're in. You know, it's just people like this, you know. You know, they get all they want, so they don't really understand, you know, about a life like Frank's. I mean, when, you know, when you've, when you've loved and lost the way Frank has, then you, uh, you know what life's about. Lifers Podcast with Scott Lucas, Gabe Rodriguez, and Ben Reiser. And now, here's Scott, Gabe, and Ben. All right, Gabe. Something's about to happen on this episode, and you're not going to be happy about it. I don't understand. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> all right. So, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, Lifers, new episode. Let's do something different this week uh, because we just did the interview with Tommy and uh, Tommy Stinson. That's, who, that's who's on the show today, Gabe. I'm, I'm telling you. Uh, and and it, I, it was a surprise. And Gabe, as you may or may not remember from the from the uh, Rick Froberg episode. Gabe does not like surprises. <laughs> right? So are you are you mad at me? Is that what's going on here? No, I spent the first, the last hour looking up Jesse so-and-so, trying to find out his history and what, what the heck am I going to talk to him about? And now you bring on a legend in his own field and I have nothing to say. Oh, what you had a lot to say. You did fine. You what fine. would you... What, <laughs> Okay, so I, I asked Tommy to do the show last week, and I, and then Justine was like, "Are you going to tell the guys? Are you are going to surprise them?" I was like, "That didn't go too well the last time. I, I don't know if it's a good idea this time." <laughs> you know, and get, and you you remember you were mad at me with the Rick Froberg thing. I'm not going to say mad. I just I just was disappointed Annoyed, that I didn't get missed. a chance to prepare. Because yeah, yeah was, but uh, but you never prepare, so you don't ever prepare. <laughs> and, and and you know, what were you gonna ask Tommy Stenson? You gonna ask him uh, if he likes Iron Maiden better? No, than, I have a question that I wanted to ask him. I didn't get a chance to ask him. Well, call him back. I gave you the chance to ask any question you wanted. What did I? What did I cut you off? No, no. You, you said, "What's the?" Here's your question. I'm like, "Well, 
I, I I was shooting from the hip and I asked him who his bass player influences were or his whatever. But I wanted As to ask him soon here. Yes. Yes. I wanted to ask him something else. What What were you going to ask him? Hey, I'm a 51 year old dude that has no real concept of the replacements. I have no idea what they're what they're all about, what their deal is, what their history is. Where would I start? Where would you recommend I start? Because Ben said to go to let it be or something. I'm like, I said, go to let it be. Scott said, let it be. Ben said something else. I, I think you could start with their first album. Sorry, Ma, which you heard some songs from and liked. It's not representative, is it? Yes. They're all representative. Every replacements album is a representative of the replacements. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. which record would you say? I mean, cause me, I think let it be is representative of everything they do. Let it be is their midpoint, so it's it's got their first two albums, more of a hardcore, more of a punky vibe, but it's also got some of the better, more singer songwritery things that they then right. concentrated on after Let It Be. So yes, right. it's a good, it's a nice blend of early and late replacements. So that that is what I would think people, you know, people. that's a good not, first step. We're not talking about people. We're talking about me. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you, you're not just you don't. You don't live on hardcore alone. Right. You've got dimensions to you. Sure. You're Mr. Hardcore. We get it. You know, you're Mr. Straight Edge. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I know what you listen to. And it's not yeah, you're just also hardcore. obsessing over, what's her name? Sia and uh, Rihanna. <laughs> yeah, what's going on with you? I'm still baffled. <laughs> I'm yeah. baffled. You sound like it. So, uh, <laughs> so... Uh, Yes, I was kind of like, Let, let's do this. And I told uh, I told Tommy, look, these guys do this thing every week, Iron Maiden replacements. I want you to come on and fuck with He didn't really fuck with you guys. I was hoping he was going to fuck with you more. But, oh, but the, I, the, I the, put the, my foot in my mouth a hundred times as he was, was coming on the show. That's pretty good. That's, that, that I didn't good. have any clue this was going to happen. All of a sudden, I'm saying, I got no room for you. And I'm never going to have room for you. So you're about try. to, you're, listeners, you're going to hear all that. Like after this, we'll, we'll bring you in on how this Coming up, you will hear, tonight. you will hear, you will hear Gabe put his foot in his mouth like never before. You're going to hear, mean, you're going to hear an amazing story about Scott's wedding ring. And then you're going to hear Gabe put his foot. In his mouth. No, the, you know, we're not doing that. Cause that oh, whole story not? was, that whole story was just a ruse. Oh. To get us on early. Oh, wait, <laughs> did to... you really find your ring the next day? Oh, yeah. No, I, I did find the ring the next day. Because I was going to yell at you because I thought I asked you the next day, like, hey, what's up with the I ring? I asked you. Yeah, we both asked you. Well, at that point, I hadn't found it. At that yeah, but point, it's been was... fucking six days since then. How about <laughs> letting us At that us point, know? I was ordering another. Well, I just needed an excuse to get you guys. So you've been saving this as the excuse this whole time? That's why you didn't tell us until tonight? No, I was just... This is what it. we're mad about, Scott. See, I was going to tell the story on this episode, but then I was like, well, what possible reason would I have for trying to get them on five or ten minutes early? Because I wanted us to be talking... Exactly what happened. I wanted us to be talking, and then Tommy zooms <laughs> okay. in while Gabe's talking smack. But now you don't want to. Now you don't yeah. want to put that in the episode. We can put it in the episode. Oh, okay. I, I, okay. If, if I it's thought good. I saw Jesse's name on the list when he popped in. What did you do? No. No. So it said, it said Tommy. It, and I was like, even then, I was like, wait, what? And then I was like, oh, this fucker did it again. And. <laughs> 
One of these oh. times, Scott, we're going to well, do this to you. We're going to do this to you. Listen, I like surprises. I've got no problem with it. Yeah. I like them too. I just wish I hadn't spent the week listening to Jesse Mallon because I don't I don't love Jesse Mallon's albums. And I'm like, <laughs> He's okay. on next week. So yeah, yeah, I'm temper, sure he is. Temper yeah, we'll your cut, this part will this part will cut out. Well, that was good. And again, we can cut this out. But I think that was probably the best interview I've ever heard him give. Like he's usually pretty. Oh yeah. Reticent. Yeah, he's been on like he was on Mark Marin and it was not good because Mark didn't know shit and. Oh yeah, I think I heard something about that. Well, I mean, the thing was, I you know, I Tommy, I hope you'd know that I wasn't making fun of you, and I, and I you know, I hope that Gabe not being a replacements fan didn't personally offend him, because I guess it is kind of personally offensive as well as offensive for you, Gabe. I'm not, you should be ashamed of yourself. I'm not ashamed of not being a replacements fan. That's not what I'm ashamed of. You should be. <laughs> It's not even that you're I'm not a, a replacements fan. You're just ignorant. You're willfully ignorant about the replacements. No, willful no. ignorance. It's not willful. It's, what? It's willful something. It's willful something. Find ignorance. No, it's I need wo- to switch. It's willful Brimley. Find the connection. <laughs> the, the 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 lily pad for me to jump onto. Find it for me. The lily pad. Get your lily pad. Lily pad. <laughs> you you saw they put out a video because they re-released their first album or whatever and they put out a video you listened to it you watched it you liked it that was your lily pad you should have jumped right on no I'll, I'll try <laughs> okay. something in the future uh, we'll see. forget it I was going to try and pretend that I was faking it but I couldn't even do that because I felt so bad I think Tommy <laughs> is happier to hear about hear, talk to people who don't know or don't care about the replacements than he is people like me like I think he's not I think he's not. He I mean, those guys kind of invented attitude. Right. So, yeah. you know, you don't give a fuck. No. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe you're his favorite. Maybe he just thinks you're an idiot. One of the two. I'll take a 50-50 shot of being an idiot or his favorite. Favorite idiot. Wow, man. I'm surprised you didn't know about the P. That Giddy thing. That should be the name of the record. That was another one of those U68 videos that used to be on all the time. It was all about the Benjamins featuring Tommy Stinson. I didn't oh, yeah. even recognize that. I knew the song. Great. So Tommy's got a new record coming out called Cowboys in the Campfire. It's called Wronger. comes out in June. You can listen to the single. It's called Dream. Pretty good song. Listen to it, Gabe. I will after the no, show. No, right now. Right now? Yeah, I want to watch your face. I don't know how to find it. Ben, okay. pull it up. No, forget it. So anyway, he's on the show today. And, uh, and you know, is there anything we want to talk about before we before we play the Tommy yeah. show? Yeah. Uh, James Brown and the Tommy show? I want to read some of the feedback we got um, maybe from the last couple of episodes. Cindy Yip had a, had a complaint. Christ. Although now I can't find what she wrote. But she was... All right, she well, was like, this is all going... Yeah. <laughs> so you sent me something the other day, Ben. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I got out of practice the other night and you had sent me a text. You're like, listen to Kyle Kinane's uh, podcast. What's that podcast called? Something about monsters? Called, or something? Oh, yeah, Monster. But the Boogie Monster with Kyle Kinane Monster. and Dave Kyle Stone. Kinane. Now, you know Kyle. You know of Kyle Kinane. I, know I Kyle definitely Kinane. know of Kyle Kinane. He's, he's, I'm, a, I'm a fan of his and we have met once or twice and... One night, we went out and had a few drinks at Rossi's, and I I was I got pretty drunk. I was trying to keep the party going, and I think he was like, "Yeah, I'm tired. I got to go home." So I don't I didn't know 
if that had kind of like soured him on me or not. All right, here we go. Back have you listened to this, Gabe? Gabe, have you I, heard this? No, uh, what am I? I don't even know what you guys are talking about. Not only Do does he not, by the now? way, not only does talk. he, he doesn't prep, he doesn't listen to our show, and he also doesn't read our text messages. He doesn't listen to me just now, just as I was explaining. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to listen to Kyle Kinane. Kyle Kinane is, is a comedian. And he has a podcast. And on his podcast, he was talking about our show. So that's what you're about to hear, Gabe. Well, Are you, you didn't set it up that way. You didn't set it up that way. I think I did. No, you left all the important parts out. Most of the texts you guys send are about movies I'd never seen before, and I don't care I want to, no, excuse me. I want to say every time you send something to us as a text, I read it. I try to figure out what the fuck you're talking about. All kinds of stuff. I would appreciate the same, <laughs> you know, a, a, a two-way street here. Goodness. Exactly. You know, not to bring it back to Iron Maiden and the replacements, but I get the feeling that Ben really tried to like Iron Maiden. I did. You didn't. You didn't. And I'm not saying I don't. I like that first album. I got to keep going. Fine. What's the name of the first album? Killers? No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't remember. Whatever one I listen to. Okay, so play. What is play, the name uh, of the first? Okay. So here we go. So this is this is another podcast just out in the wild talking about us, which I think is exciting. And but funny. it's nice that it's somebody that we actually like and respect. Sure. So this is what you're about to hear, Gabe. All right. You should share it. I I'm did gonna... share it. How am I supposed to know what this is? <laughs> well, how am I supposed to know fuck? what this? Okay, here we go. Shh, what, shh, what is a text? I don't know what texts are. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this band called Dirty Fences. I like a lot. He's talking about oh, music he likes oh, now God. or listening to. I started listening to. I haven't listened to Material Issue in a long time. I started listening to them again. Chicago band. Okay. There was a yeah some podcast. <laughs> some podcast. I think it's, oh, I forget what it's called. It's the dude from Local H. This guy Scott from Local H. Mm-hmm. Another guy from bands, and then this, this third dude is just the most Chicago guy that just sounded like he's kind of clueless. And he's like, "What are we? What, what's going on there?" Oh yeah, that guy. Oh yeah, that guy. He played bass. I think he played bass a couple times in a band. <laughs> like just kind of a silly guy in the background. And I've been listening to that show a little bit, and they were talking about material issue and kind of going over all these old. Because Chicago, wow, this really turned into a music podcast today, Dave. If we oh, that's to all right. okay. All right, so. When I first listened to this, yeah. When I first listened to him talk about us, I was like, "Is he? Oh, the Chicago guy. He's talking about Zelenko because Zelenko talks like a hey, like you know, he's got that Chicago thing." Um, but I realized that he's talking about you, Gabe. You're the clueless Chicago guy who doesn't know what's going on. That's you. <laughs> and the point it's is, a, is you're willful about it. It's a caricature of me. Well, it's great. Like it's it's actually making a, an impression on people. A professional, a professional comedian, thinks You're like that's good stuff. That's comedy gold. Yeah, that's the like guy, you say. The, the guy who's an idiot is funny. There's You're always like, uh, the Kramer of our podcast. Yes, I was about to say Kramer, and Kramer's the funniest what, person a, on the show. A loudmouth racist. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, hey, at the live shows, don't heckle him, uh, people, yeah, because you don't yeah, know what might come yeah, out of you his know mouth. What? At the live shows, don't go run around going, I'm like Kramer. 
<laughs> that's not something that people no, want to no, no, do no, no, anymore. That, that's Kramer, We're going to have Kramer. to have people check Michael their cell phones at the door. We could eventually have glad did, sandwich bags to put people's What did that other in. guy say? I, I was unintentionally funny or whatever? What, what's going on? People don't get it? Yeah, the Boston Globe. I, I'm, I'm either doing a real good job of my character or I'm just being myself. And people yes. don't understand it. No, no, they understand it. You're being yourself, all right. <laughs> we'll see how it goes in person when we have a live guest and a live show. June 6th at G-Man and June 7th at the Burr Oaks. Or is it the Burr Oak? The Burr Oak. One Oak. We've done this before, Gabe. Tickets still available for the Burr Oak, but G-Man, you snoozed, you lost. Oh, yeah. Did you? Did Kelly say anything about putting more seats in? Or? Maybe they can shove a couple in that they can sell but they can't okay. but we're can't. not adding a second show they can't oversell this place i mean right. we could add a second show but i don't see that happening okay but is in it's a fucking oh, a surprise for yes. gabe oh sorry no no it's yeah, no more okay. surprises for you guys i will never try Thank to surprise you, you again <laughs> I didn't, that was like, fine. Like I was saying earlier, I, I, I didn't feel bad about surprising Gabe because, you know, if he doesn't give a fuck, why should I give a fuck about the replacements? But I, I did feel a little bad su- surprising you. No, no, no. It's fine. I would have been too in my head. I was glad to not be prepared and just have to roll with it. It was fine. Thank you. What roll a special it, treat for me. It was, it was lovely. See? See, now that's a good attitude, Gabe. Do you think the replacements will make the Punk Rock Hall of Fame? Have there, oh, is there a Punk Rock Hall of Fame? I think they just opened it in Vegas. Fat have Mike. It? Fat oh, Mike. Sh- shit. You- Justine was there. She was just at that thing. And Fat Mike was there. Yes. From she was just- No Effects or MXPX or wherever they're from. I don't sure. Know. Okay, one of them. Anyway, she was there. She was there, yes. And and no effects guy or Fat Mike or whatever his fucking face is, he was talking to her, hitting on really? her, whatever. <laughs> so, hey, but going back to this thing, are we going to get this Kyle Kinane on our show? Yes. Next week, Kyle Kinane's going to be on the show. Is oh. he? And Jesse Mallon. And Jesse Mallon. It's going to be a twofer. <laughs> How do you I, know? I, oh, you had the drinks with Kyle Kinane. Uh-huh. And he knew, did he remember you from the drinks or he remembers you from the podcast? I haven't talked to him. I don't know. Do you want me to play that thing again? No. He's going to be a guest who nobody knows and nobody has a relationship with. Everybody knows Kyle Kinane. I've never heard of him. You've never heard of a lot of things. He's a comedian and a voice actor. Okay. Look up Kyle Kinane and, and watch his comedy specials. Let me look him up. How do you spell it? Where he's intentionally funny. K Y L E. There he is. Hold on a second. This guy might be in my feed <laughs> for some of my reels. Maybe not. Oh my God, you do know this guy. Maybe he's bought merch from GNP. No, I don't think I know who he is. Yeah, so. Great, let's get him on. I, that would be very exciting for me. Not for Gabe. This will be our first comedian, stand-up comic, right? We haven't had... Who, who comes closest to that? Rachel? 
I mean, her, Gabe. but I mean, that's not professional. Yeah, I know Gabe, right? But seriously, we haven't had anybody from the world of comedy. <laughs> I don't know. Just, just be nice. Branch don't, don't, out. Don't attack him for where he lives like you did to Michael Lago last week. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Who is this person? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well. All right, so we're going to go back back in time, forward in time. Hey, let me just, can I just... Okay. Yes, we're going to go back in time. But let me just say, that it's a thin line because it's true. When you when you grow up in, in New York City... Oh, my God. And you're not currently in Manhattan, but you're heading to Manhattan. You say, I'm going to the city. You do call Manhattan the city if you live in Brooklyn or the Bronx or sure. where. And especially back then when you couldn't even get a car to go to Brooklyn, you know? Right. But... Saying I'm going to the city is different than saying I'm going to New York City. Nobody says I'm going to New York City when they mean Manhattan. All right. First of all, when you've lived and loved, as Michael Lago has, maybe you can correct him. But when you, you know. You're saying I haven't lived and loved as Michael Lago has? (laughs) I'm pretty goddamn sure. Go back you to have episode number seven. Who the fuck is Ben Reiser? Lo- uh, You're going to learn a lot about. I'm me. pretty sure. Yeah. All right. So now we go forward, back in time. Back to the future. No. Yeah. Not. Yeah. It's not Back to the Future. Yeah. N- back mm, to the I future. I guess it sort of is. Well, it's in the future of the show, but mm-hmm. we've already recorded it, so we're going to go back to. We're going to go back. What an hour, hour and a half. Now. Keep in mind, everybody, I have, I have uh, hoodwinked these guys into thinking that I really want to tell this story about me losing my wedding ring. So take it away, Wayback Machine. Lifers Podcast with Scott Lucas, Gabe Rodriguez, and Ben Reiser. And now, here's Scott, Gabe, and Ben. Did we do an actual... I guess we can't. I guess whatever. Well, however Tommy wound up, that's how we'll run it. We're not going to do like, hey, it's Tommy Stinson and do the clapping and stuff. We don't need that. No. No, right. but we did say it's Tommy and we introduced it. He's gotten a bigger introduction than most people get. Yeah. While Gabe's shit-talking his band. Because he deserves it. <laughs> and I don't you know, know what to say. I don't know what to say. You did a good job, actually. You kept talking, even, though, even after you knew he was there. Yeah. I didn't know he was there. Oh, I was you talking. didn't see the Tommy S. thing? Listen, Ben. In your yeah. world, Tommy S. is Tommy Stinson. In my ah. world, Tommy S. is Tommy S. In my world, Tommy <laughs> S. is Jesse Mallon. <laughs> I know, but it never dawned on me that we had Tommy Stinson on the show when it says Tommy S. when I'm expecting Jesse Ventura or whoever we're expecting. So when did you realize it was Tommy Stinson? Until it was said. I, I, I don't know what he looks like. When yeah. he came on the screen, I still didn't know it was him. He's got this look on his face like he still doesn't really know what happened. Look at him. He's <laughs> gobsmacked. He's like, what? What What just I'm happened? I'm shit-talking to this guy's <laughs> face saying I got no room 
for the replacements, and I never will. Yeah, that was the thing. You started, you upped the ante. Yeah. You were like, usually yeah. I got a room. And I and never like, will. <laughs> he's like, I want to take it to the next level. I'll yeah. never have room for this guy. And if I ever see him, oh, hi, Tommy Stinson. <laughs> But there was growth. By the end of the episode, he was saying, so what is my hook? What, you know, what do you recommend? Like, how do I get into this? By the end, he's like, look, I do know who you are. And I, I, I realize that you're worthy of some respect. Not mine, but somebody's. There's not many people that can start talking about the band that they were in at 11 years old. He is a lifer. Is the definition. Uh, to me, it's like the craziest, like, that somebody was... The bass player for The Replacements and the ba- bass player for Guns N' Roses is an insane, like, I can't think of more, of a more insane double whammy in rock. Um, maybe there were, maybe in the 60s when people were bouncing around from the Yardbirds to Cream or whatever the fuck. And No, it, it's, it's crazy, but it also makes sense because, you know, Duff McKagan was always sort of the punk rock guy mm-hmm. in uh, Guns N' Roses, so who better to replace him? And Tommy Stinson. Okay, so let's go get back in the way back machine, and we'll go back. Get in there, Gabe. And Gabe, please, this time stay in with us, and let, let's not get kicked out. Let's go back. Are we ready? Let's go. It's the Lifers Podcast with Scott Lucas, Gabe Rodriguez, and Ben Reiser. And now, here's Scott, Gabe, and Ben. You know, I'm just like, man, there's no way we're going to find it. It's, she's like, well, was it by the dog park? I'm like, I didn't go that far. I'm just about, I'm like, fuck this, let's go home. I can't spend any more time looking for this thing. Karen goes, sniffs something, and then Justine looks down, and there's the ring. Picks it up. 24 hours later, you know, over 24 hours later, she finds the ring. And, you know, there it was. I couldn't believe it. It was unbelievable. So now you have two rings. Now I have two rings. Yes, I have, I have another ring on the way, one, one that's not so big. Uh, so I'm getting from Jesse that I've got to send email with Zoom. Yeah. Did and you, I did. You, you I did sent that? him that a couple times. Got it. Okay, sent. How, uh, how do you think he's going to come back on the Iron Maiden versus replacements? Are we taking predictions? Yeah, Gabe, okay, what do you think? Replacements. You think Jesse is a replacements guy? I think so. I think people of a certain age, over like 47, <laughs> don't respect Iron 40, Maiden. I'm over 47. You're over 47. Yeah, what are you talking about? 52. I, I don't know. A certain number. There's a certain number, like the Mendoza line. If you're older than this, you have no respect for Maiden after 82 for some what reason. What is the Mendoza know. line? It's the and then baseball a, batting a average. Band. It's a baseball batting average of 200. It's like bad, but not good. But does that make any sense to you, Gabe? Since Iron Maiden is the... They've been around a little longer than the replacements, right? So it should be the older crowd who's more into them. No, the people that are pioneers in their craft 
that are 52 and older appreciated Iron Maiden until 1982 and a half after Number of the Beast. Then they said, that's it. I can't take it anymore. I'm going to ride this wave. And the replacements came in and swooped out, swooped them out. So really? Yes. Is that what you think? I'm against the whole concept of that, but it happened. I see. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring back the wave, the British heavy metal wave. You're gonna bring that back? Yes. Along okay. with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> oh really? Is is that what you're gonna do? But you still don't have any room in your uh, your collection, right? No, there's no room in my collection for replacements, and there never will be. I'm against them. <laughs> really, Tommy? What do you think about that? <laughs> A load of hoo-ha. <laughs> what are your knuckleheads getting into? Holy shit. <laughs> oh, Some yeah. So I was looking for Scott. I was looking for Scott and I ended up with uh, Benjamin. Yes. Oh, that's, that's why I get confusing. I, there's a bunch of Ben's in my email thread. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> Anyone, any Ben's as cool as me? Who else? You got Ben no, Lee they're all, they're all getting They're all getting deleted as we speak, um, <laughs> myself included, I think. Uh, yeah, thanks. What's going on? It's happening, fellas. How are you doing, Tommy? Damn. I'm good, kind of. So you these know? guys didn't know you were coming on, and we were just having this thing on every episode. We have the argument about replacements versus iron maiden so ben yeah. there is the replacements guy and gabe there is the guy who has no room in his collection for the replacements yeah. and he was just talking about just now when you By came on understandable what are your thoughts and feelings about iron maiden that that would probably be the best question to ask at this point you know I had to look it up the other day to find out if it was Rob Halford that was a singer for Iron yeah. Maiden or right on, right Judas on, Priest, and I kind of was like, <laughs> neither one of them really ever came under my radar. But you know, um, I do kind of like Rob Halford. It's he's, I think it's, a, I think he's got a whole thing that's funny. But um, yeah, I know nothing about Iron Maiden, dude. Sorry. Yeah. Like, way above my pay grade. <laughs> Well, you guys, you guys, not that this really has much to do with Iron Maiden, but you covered Kiss. Were you into Kiss uh, yeah. or was that somebody else's idea? No, no, we were, I was, I mean, I liked Kiss. I tell you what, when I was in uh, fifth grade, um, God, I'm blanking on his name right now, but one of my good friends when I was in like fifth, sixth grade or whatever, was a total kiss freak he had all the records and like posters in his room and stuff and um really good friend we used to hang out all the time getting lots of trouble and i shit lost track of him in sixth grade you know yeah we, mainly because they held me back a grade uh at tommy we've got a surprise for you he's here with us tonight bring him in scott oh he's coming all the surprises just keep coming oh, hey. there he is there he is Maybe Rob you got Paul. held back got a grade yeah, so it was really weird. I mean, basically, I sucked at school, but um, <laughs> you had um, other interests. Clearly, I, you know, I was getting in trouble and stuff. But what they uh, what they found out when I was like, I don't know, I guess I must have been nine, ten years old or whatever, is that I um, have like ADHD or some shit like that. They took me, they took me to like a Washburn Child Guidance Center thing or whatever it was, and they put me on on um Ritalin or something like that for like a week my mom said i drove her bananas in that uh -huh. fucking week she said i fucking it lasted a week and then you're back off it and i said i'll just deal with you the way you are um and you know they killed me back because we moved from florida to minnesota 
They didn't, uh, they didn't, I guess they didn't have kindergarten. This had something to do with the fact that Florida didn't have kindergarten. They put you right in the first grade. In Minnesota, you know, they put you in a kindergarten to start you. So for whatever reason, I was too young to go in the next grade. But really what it came down to is I was just too stupid to, to move grades. And they held me back as an age thing so I wouldn't feel bad, I think. But um, I didn't really give a shit anyway. I wasn't really... I was just like, whatever. And, you know, we'll start with Shaman to play bass anyway, so it didn't really fucking matter. Yeah, right. Did you I mean, ever finish high school? Or you no, were I, dropped, I dropped out in 10th grade to go on the road. And never looked so back. So you were, what, 11 when you started playing with the early version of The Replacements? Yeah. About so, that. I mean, did you even have early influences or was, you know... Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean you're, you're already in a band forming your own style. Yeah. I mean, shit. I mean, I got into my brother's record collection, but, you know, like I said, my friend was way into, you know, way into Kiss. Um, that, yeah. I don't remember what we were listening to a whole lot. Mostly just, you know, AM, FM radio. The thing mostly for me that I remember growing up, even before Bobby showed me how to play bass, is I used to have an AM radio in my closet my bed was right next to the closet that had no door and i kept all my kind of child treasures in this thing on this little shelf with my am radio i used to go to sleep with the am radio on um to the oldie station always had that on like if i can can tell you the name of just about every uh you know oldie song in that time period that i heard you know the one that got me the most was they're coming to take me away that little oh yeah that little ditty scared the shit out of me yeah um, Did they have Dr. Remember, Demento, Dr. Demento show on that, on no, that station? You know, now that you mention it, I think they did like on the weekends, on, like late night or whatever. Yeah. But, Sunday um, nights. Yeah, that's what it probably was. Huh. But, um, you know, I used to listen to you know, the AM radio to bed, you know, and so when Bob came home and started showing me how to play bass, it almost kind of made sense. And Bob <laughs> was a big Yes fan. Were you into Huge. Yes? I liked them because he liked them and I kind of was into them because I heard the songs on the radio and stuff. And I was like, ah, oh, that's cool. And, you know, show me how to play roundabout was like my second or third song, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you can imagine that. was that. a huge song for us. No wonder my hands hurt so much, man. I know, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, Were you playing Rick's, Rickenbacker's? No, back then it was a Sears uh, Silvertone um, bass. That's what I learned on. Jesus. All right, so you're, how, I mean, how, how hard was it for them to get you into the clubs and, you know, just this little kid? I, I, had, to, I had to hide out. Like, they used to hide in the kitchen and all that crap. Um, some places I, you know, could only come just to play and then get the fuck out, you know, that kind of thing. And we played the Longhorn. Longhorn was one of the first, you know, sort of uh, joints we played. And um I remember hanging out in the kitchen. I remember, you know, we opened up for the plasmatics one time and I remember hanging out in the kitchen until I think the owner might have left at some point and I was able to walk out and watch the band a little bit. It was, it was strange that there was fucking really nobody there. It was like maybe uh -huh. 50 people in a, you know, 400 capacity room or something. But I remember hiding behind, I, I, there was a cigarette, a lit cigarette butt. I threw it at the stage thinking I was all punk rock or whatever. <laughs> and Wendy, Wendy O kind of fucking did not like that. So I had to hide behind someone. And who was standing in front of me, who I hid behind, was Lori Barbero. Uh -huh. um, we all know well, I'm sure. Um, yeah, it was just a kind of a funny thing to be sitting. You had to sit in the kitchen and wait. You know, until yeah. The, until and the then didn't she going. chase you around the club or something like that? Because she was... No, Laura Burrow's kind of hid, hid, 
hid hid me for a second while you know Wendio put on this performance of sorts, you know, and the guitar player you know pranced around in a tutu, um, you know, and then it kind of blew up, went away, and then she broke up the you know the the uh, chainsaw, the chainsaw, did the whole thing, <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty goofy. <laughs> so was that after that that uh, Pete became your uh, legal guardian while you were on the road? Peter became my guardian when I dropped out. The deal was is um, he had to become my legal guardian so he could tra- they could transport me across state lines. Right. And, and in case I got in trouble, someone had to be there because I was a minor, obviously. But um, yeah, he was he was the one that took the took the bait and the hit. <laughs> So how many years were you in? How many years were you in the band and in, in school at the same time? Uh, whatever. Well, ten to fifteen, eleven to fifteen, whatever. Jesus. So did the kids in school know what you were doing? Did they even give a yeah, fuck? Yeah, some of them. Some of them did. No, they didn't really give a fuck. I mean, David Roth did. He was my good buddy when I was in ninth grade. Were you bored and frustrated spending the night in the? club kitchens or were you, were you finding fun things to do you know I, I don't remember what i did i don't i didn't spend a lot of time in there i mean I, i'd get there you know somewhat close to t- set time have to hang there for a minute and go play the show and then leave and go back home basically yeah <laughs> well i don't want to get too far in, into the past before we talk about what you got coming up soon this yeah. uh, cowboys in the campfire record yeah. comes out in june yep june 2nd gonna go to nashville and um, put out, have a release record day in Nashville. I don't know why. I, I thought of Nashville because they, um, the Glenn Campbell Museum um, got in touch with my agent and wanted to see if I'd, um, if we come play. And I was like, yeah, that sounds funny enough. Um, yeah. And it didn't work out to happen on the 2nd of November, or of, of July, or June, sorry, June. Um, didn't work out so much for that. But um, as like, I'd already had it in my head that we're going to Nashville anyway. So yeah. booked the booked the thing at Grimey's record store we're gonna do and and um a fun uh you know private party after that and tour around that that region for about a week. Um you know, kinda of celebrate the release of our record. That kind of thing. It's different now, Scott, than it I was hear back when we were kids. Yeah. Back when we were back in the old days, the nineteen hundreds <laughs> and all that. Right.
I, you know, someone asked me this the other day. Um, my sister asked me, she said, do you still like what you do? Like, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, well, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't do it if I didn't like it. I mean, I, you know, you saw how good I was at working, you know, fucking regular jobs. <laughs> yeah. so it wasn't very at all. Um, you know, I had my first dishwashing job at 12 and lasted all of about two weeks, I think. I mean, you're about as lifery as they get, you know? Yeah. And and, and, and you've had a, a really great career. And I, I think a lot of it is because people kind of just want you around. Like, when you look at all the bands that, like, you know, we want Tommy to be our bass player. You know, like Guns N' Roses and Soul Asylum and Puff Daddy mm-hmm. wants you to, you know. You know, so it's just like, what is it? Are you really that great of a guy? What's going on? No. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think I think um, I think I, I could go down the list. I think I think in terms of um, how it worked out for for Guns N' Roses is I think that uh, um, I had enough of a uh, um, enough of a pedigree, mm-hmm. um, and also I, I I I have a way of sort of um, being somewhat of a not a musical director in a way in that I can, I can herd people together and work with people. Good. You know, I, uh, even against my better judgment or will even. Um, and I think that served me for that gig a lot. I mean, I worked with people that I would normally more even probably even in, in my realm of, uh, players and things like that, but worked with them because we were all there for a common cause of making a record together and stuff like that. And it turned out to be really one of my, Sort of one of my um, um, favorite parts about that gig was really working with you know different people um, across the spectrum, really, and some people on the spectrum for that matter. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> and um, you know, it was it was cool like that. And our good buddy Richard Fortas, our great buddy Richard Fortas. He yeah, just I just funny enough, I just got a text from him and Duff the other day, which was funny enough. Um, yeah, yeah, it was nice, sweet. But um, you know, so that's a, that's the guns part. Soul Asylum. The reason why I got hired to play with them is because um, I've been friends with those guys since high school. Like I, when I was in ninth grade, going to West High, Dave Perner was a senior, and that was back when his band was Loud Fast Rules, and they were right. op- opening for the Replacements and stuff like that. And and um, you know, when Carl passed, you know, of cancer and all that stuff, I was on the list of 10 people he wanted to take his place if they should continue. And his wife asked me, and I said, of course. Yeah. I, you know, that kind of thing. P. Diddy was strange. Don't really know how that worked out. I, um, I didn't realize that until, like, yesterday. Yeah, it was weird. Um, you know, it was playing in New York City, funny enough, at, um, uh, at Coney Island High mm-hmm. with my band then perfect jesse had, jesse mallon had uh, called me up and today hey, you guys want to come out and play come, come play my club you know in, in st mark's and i'm like sure so we went out played the club and this guy that worked for um whatever it was a bad boy records or whatever yeah um blanking on his name right now it doesn't matter but this guy you know came to our show and was like hey you guys want to try and take a stab at this puff daddy remake whatever and the song was already out song the um, all about the benjamins was already a video and in rotation on mtv it just wasn't getting any 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 play it wasn't getting any oomph and it wasn't enough for them so they're like let's remix it 
Right. And when, and when we heard it, we heard it, we thought, well, the obvious thing is it doesn't have a chorus. A lot of rap music then didn't really have choruses, if you know what I'm saying. They had, yeah. they rapped, and then, you know, might repeat a phrase or something like that, but there wasn't like a sing-along chorus type thing. So no, it's an instrumental hook usually. Yeah, or something like that. Some, you know, stolen sample or whatever. Right. And then we just kind of wrote wrote the, all about the Benjamin's chorus part, and they threw it out at like 30 other fucking people. And, um, you know, they all played on basically what was our chorus that we wrote for the goddamn thing. And we got the little, little credit. Um, and I got to be in the video. So they didn't go out looking for you. They just happened to see you one night. The 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 guy that worked for um, Big Daddy, Bad Boy Records or whatever. He 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 knew of of us and of me and the replacements and all that stuff. And uh, you know came to that show, and was working for Puff Daddy. I mean, he was working for Puff Daddy to do different things and kind of meld genres together and ultimately make Puff Daddy more money. Did uh, you ever actually meet Puff Daddy during this whole yeah, process? Yeah. Oh briefly um you know seemed like a nice enough guy super busy super just phones in hand and you know, hey yeah 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 you doing? Hey, go me. you know he refers to me as stinson when he's talking about the video like on some mtv you know news moment yeah you know and stinson you know whatever who was really funny and super sweet was little kim that was pretty cool she oh, was yeah? rad yeah for the shit that comes out of her mouth couldn't be a sweeter more um, sort of uh, non uh, nonplussed kind of woman. She was just very meek and sweet. And then fucking she opens her trap and holy shit, man. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Crazy stuff. Did any other hip hop artists come, come at you in the years after that wanting your they, services? They, they did. They brought us a maze track um, to do the same thing with basically. In effect, I can't remember the name of that one. But we did a better job on that one and ended up not using it after all, which was much to our chagrin because we thought, wow, man, we added, we actually added Sly and the Family Stone to this thing. We really went for it too. We fucking tambo and all this stuff, you know, we kind of really gave it a, gave it a once over twice. Um, <laughs> and we had fun with it, which was great, you know, for a band to be able to do something like that, have a ball working up someone else's song and adding something kind of after the fact, you know. That kind yeah. of, we, we had fun with that, you know, yeah. kind of a cool thing. So those early uh, years playing with replacements uh, and you're out with Husker Du, you know, I mean, it's to me, it's just fucking Man. crazy. Yeah. And the little kid in the band, was, they're seven years older than me. So I'm 15, 16 years old playing clubs, Chicago. Right. Fucking. Uh, what was the first place you played in Chicago? God, was it, was it O'Banion? Wow. No. Was it O'Banion's or is O'Banion's another city? Might have been O'Banion's. Um, I'd have to look it up. But there was a club, old shitty hardcore club, like 1980, 81 in, in Chicago. Might have been O'Banion's, but it was just a shithole. Um, I remember playing that place, Jesus, really young, 14, 15, something like yeah. that. Yeah. And, and so then, like, you and Who's Could Do, it seemed like, as far as I can remember, like you were the first of the, the indie bands that were going to try it on major labels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, how, what was that like being, being that canary in that coal mine? It was, it was stupid for one. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know that one, <laughs> I don't know. we, we obviously weren't, um, 
ready for it. And, you know, as kooky as we were with our own, you know, our own, uh, our own thing, we really just kind of almost poo-pooed it all. It was just like, okay, we're going to do what we do anyway. And so whatever Warner Brothers is going to put it out it was like kind of a jump in one way. But we really didn't, we didn't, we weren't able to glad hand like the other boys. Like we, you know, back then we would be touring around with like REM and stuff like that. And, you know, watch those guys work the record label or, you know, any number of other bands we played with back then work a record label. And we just couldn't do it. We couldn't, you know, we couldn't um, play the game, shake the hand the way everyone else did because i think we're so broken i mean we're all pretty damaged goods as as people um and as i reflect on that now i can totally you know see the see it you know we're sort of social misfits in a lot of ways um so you know we didn't really have the you know the uh the the want to embrace it the way others did and made it to their advantage. <laughs> we kind of fucked ourselves early, you know? <laughs> right. But I mean, you wouldn't change it, would you? I mean, it seems nah. to me like it all worked out. Yeah. No, at, at 56, man, you don't you look back and want to change it. You look back and you go, okay, cool. We did that. And people still seem to like the record. So, you know, what does it matter? No. Yeah. Well, what about the uh, Saturday Night Live appearance? That's pretty famous best live Mm. tv thing ever yeah no it was goofy it was what it was i mean i we got a lot of i think we got more in more trouble because harry dean stanton got drunk in our dressing room and (laughs) got in trouble for changing clothes and swearing you know right um so it's all harry's fault pretty much yeah uh he's not here to defend himself so yes it's harry's (laughs) fault um no i mean you know I mean, I don't know if you know the story, but you know, he came he came in our room and we had a full bar pretty much, you know, in our on our writer in our dressing room and he didn't get his writer because of you know, I guess because they knew not to or something. But uh-huh. he came to he came to our room looking for a drink and we didn't know better. We said, Sure, help yourself, you know. Had he already been in Repo Man at that point? Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm pretty sure. Repo that, Man, I think, was like 81 or 2 or something like that. No, no. That was, no? That was like 85 or, or really? If it was 85, it would be. That's probably before. why he was on. That's probably why he was hosting. He was probably promoting yeah, Repo yeah, Man. That was, that was 86, yeah. Or maybe he was promoting the John Hughes thing he did. What John Hughes thing? He's Pretty in one pink. of those. Yeah, he's in one of those. Was he in Pretty in Pink? Yeah, he's, he's her father. <laughs> he's the focal point of her existence. Really? 84. Repo Man is 84. Yeah. So that was before. So, nice, I mean, nice so fucking is, guy, though. Yeah. Really nice guy. Well, he's the best. So, yeah. is that that performance on Saturday Night Live, maybe that's it's kind of a, a distillation of what you were talking about, like, you, you, like an unwillingness to play the game. But there you are. And, you know, Ben thinks it's one of the best performances of all time or the best yeah. performance of all time. The best. Yeah. I guess, I guess, you know, I mean, for good or bad or worse, I mean, it didn't, it didn't, didn't probably really help us like it's helped other people. Uh (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, the replacement. (laughs) 
How about the uh, Tom Petty tour? What a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I think he's one of the great American songwriters of all time. I would have thought you guys would have got along really well. Oh, we did. Loved him. Tom was a sweetheart. Um, got along with him great. Uh, Just the audiences? Crew, his crew sucked balls. Okay. Um, his, all the band guys were great. Their crew would just sit back there behind our behind our shit, just smoking the fucking shit out of bags and bags of weed as we're fucking trying to play our show and catching a contact buzz, you know? Right. Um, uh, really, our the only problem with that tour was that we're playing sheds, and you know the the five thousand seats in front of the stage were pre-sold to die-hard petty fans so our crowd then we didn't even hear our, our the people who are replacements fans clapping in the back we couldn't even it wasn't even a thing so we played to empty seats yeah and it was a terrible it was terrible for that because the tom petty people really didn't even show up until you know we were done right so it was a stupid tour so so that's towards the end and probably at that point you're like you guys maybe like fuck this it, that's where a whole lot of don't give a fuck started. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was disheartening. I mean, it was like you know we were doing great. We were selling out the clubs. Then we get to the theater level, and then you know kind of working that angle for a while. And then they throw us into the opening up for you know fucking God's gift of fucking pop music, and you know we just die a death at it. And, yeah. Um, I, I yeah I, I wasn't even a fan of that record. I, I really Paul was really into that record, so the whole thing really was Paul's. I was kind of Paul's. Tom's record, your record. Tom Petty's record. Okay, that right. Full Moon Fever. Paul loved that record when it came out, I guess. And so you know he was more on board with trying to make that happen than any of us. I had a hard time forgiving him for stealing that Rebel Without a Clue lyric. I don't know if I ever forgave yeah. Tom Petty for that. Yeah, I, I, I saw know. you guys also open for Elvis Costello and Keith Richards. Were those shows any more fun? Those were a lot of fun. Yeah, those were a lot of fun. I was just talking about that Elvis Costello show the other day because went and saw Lucinda Williams play a couple like a week and a half ago, two weeks ago now, and and I saw Rocky Riordan, the bass player from the Pogues, um, mm. there who used to be married to Elvis on that when we were doing that tour. It was right. just funny, funny seeing running into her and. You don't really want to mention Elvis around her, but um, I guess I guess it didn't. I guess it didn't go well. But really cool to see her, and you know she's such a sweetheart. And uh, yeah, that tour was great. I mean, that was a weird one, but it was fun. Yeah. We played Madison Square Garden, you know, with Elvis Costello, whatever. Or no, no, we played that with uh, Keith Richards. Keith yeah. Richards. Yeah. What did I we think I saw you Elvis? at the Meadowlands with Keith Richards. Uh, yeah, but you did a whole tour with Elvis. Yeah. 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 Must have been it. Must have been Madison Square Garden with him then, because yeah. yeah, Keith was out in fucking like you said the Meadowland. Yeah, funny, funny. So you get to that last replacement show in Chicago, Grant Park. <laughs> I was there. It was great. Yeah. Um, did you know? You know, I mean, you knew before you got on stage that that was it. Yeah, we'd been talking about it for a while. I mean. When we when we started touring for um, All Shook Down, it was it was pretty clear that so I mean it actually it was pretty clear before we even made that record that Paul kind of wanted to put, be more of a hands on approach, kind of more of the producer kind of thing because he had lots of ideas. 
that he wanted to try out with his song and stuff like that. And I was behind. I said, dude, whatever you want, man. It's like, you know, I'm back and whatever. Just all kinds of different people play it on fucking Rolling Stones records, Beatles records, whatever. Tear it up, you know. Um, going into that record, knew that was going to kind of happen. It knew after we made that record that we'd kind of gone as far as Paul really could go with with what we were doing as the replacements and i i think uh, i think he kind of fancied himself you know the you know get to the next level on his own you know yeah mm -hmm. um you know as a solo artist and all that i think we'd kind of run we'd run it into the ground at that point by the time we played grant park i'd already had um i think i already had my deal set in place for the bash and pop record oh yeah and yeah yeah that, they'd already been hearing the demos of that um so i kind of just went from one to the other basically so you right into bash and pop there was no there was some time there was like you know it took me a minute to get it together and figure it out and all that but i was already i let half that record was already written and you know accepted by warner brothers i think at that point and it was like you toured for so long off of that first bash and pop album that i that like maybe halfway through you'd switched most of the members of the band right like it was you and steve playing drums but then i think i thought everyone else changed was that or was yeah. that a whole separate well steve and i mo ended up moving out to california um right uh like um, i guess it would have been the summer of 93 and uh tried to continue it on but steve didn't work so well in in los angeles and i mean he was he lucky at that point though i mean john napolitano was letting him stay in her sort of guest house you know on her property it wasn't much about guest house at that it was bed like a bed and a i think he actually used the inside toilet in the house but you know <laughs> it it didn't work out so well for him after all that but um i tried to keep it together it, you know i made the record with steve pretty much and steve you know steve um brantzig on guitar for the most part um yeah and i just you know yeah, just kind of came and went. No one, then I got no traction out of it, out of the, out of the gate. But it seems like a lot of people still like that record. So yeah, whatever. That's great, still holds up. You got to round your neck 
Axel wasn't a, a replacements fan, though. No, was he? he he claims to have come to see us somewhere and, and left, walked out or something before we even started <laughs> or something. He had he had some funny anecdote he told me once, but it was neither here nor there. It was uh, he knew why I was there and I knew why I was there. And when I when when I joined that thing, it, it was like I I kind of thought, well, all these fucking guys quit on him. And he's still fucking like, I'm still fucking Guns N' Roses, goddammit. And oh. I thought, I thought, man, that's about as punk rock as it gets right there. It's like, he don't give a fuck. He's going to continue on anyway. And I thought it was pretty cool. And I got, I, I really was like, all right, I'm in. You know, it was like that. It really, I auditioned and they said, you want to play? And I said, yeah, I'm in. Because, you know, we had this conversation about it and I just kind of thought, that's pretty cool. Ballsy as fuck. I thought, yeah. you know, you lose lose someone like Slash, you know, and Duff, and you know, you still call it Guns N' Roses. I thought, well, that's I, I've been there. <laughs> pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so by this point, you've been in three bands. You, you're you're not probably not even thirty yet, and you're already this veteran. 
Yeah. It's crazy. Stupid, Scott. It's not stupid. It's not stupid. I can't, there's nobody else, you know, I mean, who, who else? Like Stevie Wonder, you know, I mean, yeah. who, who else gets that soon of a start? Yeah. Well, there's a bunch of them out there. There seems to be a lot more of them nowadays than, than there was back then. But yeah. yeah, it was a funny, it's a funny thing. It's a funny thing to look back on. People ask me, you know, when I'm going to write my memoir, I'm like, I don't know, when I'm dead. Uh-huh. Um you know, there's um, they, and you know, as I say that, there's a lot, there's a lot that I think about that I have been writing down just, just to, just to make a note to talk to my sisters about, you know, or my mom about things like that. But um, it's been interesting, an interesting travel. Are you able to read the, the books that people write about you? Uh, you know, I read the Bob part of the Bob Mayer book, but the other stuff, no, I don't care. I, I lived it. It was good enough. I think Bob Mayer pretty much captured what there was to tell worthwhile um, without getting too salacious. I mean, and I appreciate that. I mean, it had, it had to have some salacious um, stuff to it to tell the story properly, I think. Yeah. Um, but really, you know, um, the really gnarly stuff. One, it's only important that we lived through it and, and, um, and that hopefully we learn from it at some point, you know? Right. So who's going to play you in the movie? I don't know. Um, funny you should ask that, though, because uh, fucking Bob Mayer, fucking guy. <laughs> fucking guy. He's called me. I've, I've talked to him over the years. And like, they've already got everyone picked out, except they can't find one, someone for you because you're, they got to have you in two different ages. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, well... Call me when it's real. Um, <laughs> not, not when you're sitting there fucking daydreaming over a cup of coffee and Cheerios, you know? Well, Gabe has a question he likes to ask all of our guests. Uh, take it away, Gabe. <laughs> this isn't fair. You've been awful quiet, Gabe. I was waiting for something. No, they, anything. They like said a whisper. Have, no, I thought this was going to be a guest, a different guest, so I didn't get any hey, chance to Hey, me too. Me too. Ben, what's your I prepared? told him you were going to be Jesse Mallon. Yeah. No. They didn't give us any chance. The, the guest, the, the question of our guest is usually, if you had to pick between two bands, who would you pick, Iron Maiden or The Replacements? Well, this isn't fair. You know, it's not, it's not right. Yeah. Well, I so, picked Iron Maiden. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, knew you, I knew you'd say that. But I'll ask you something else, just because I, I feel like I should. Uh, I, I feel like. Do they need a bass player? <laughs> <laughs> no, but their bass player is like. No. I mean, I'm sure I, you've heard of their bass player. Maybe. But anyway. I'm 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 not a f- replacements fan. I'm not going to pretend that yeah. I am. Gabe, but, Gabe, Tommy listen, is our guest. Be nice to I know, him. I'm I'm nice. What are you going to say? He looks like Steve Bannon. I next? respect I respect <laughs> the history and and the legendary. You know the 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 stories. So, who were some of the bases that you looked towards or would say these are the people that are my peers or, or stuff like that? Because to me, the base is one of the most important parts of rock music. Well. I, I have that. I have that part down. Um, <laughs> so there's Jim Lee from Slade would be a huge influence on me. Wow. Um, Paul McCartney. Wow. Um, easily. And jeez, uh, who would my third choice be? Paul from The Clash. Yeah, probably. Yeah, Paul Simonin. Um But there's more, you know, um, you know Jamie Jamerson can't beat that guy. Jesus. Um, you know, 
there's just a you know i was marveling at um oh duck dunn recently i just yeah. was you know, listening to some old you know uh a radio station was playing a bunch of the old memphis sound stuff and i was just going god damn that fucking guy just he, you know his whole thing i mean that that whole that whole group of musicians were so fucking incredible but you know he just had a particular style of playing i thought that was pretty pretty badass as well and you watched <laughs> yeah. that that otis set at monterey i did not see that yet oh, fuck. It's good it's stuff incredible. huh it's incredible wow wow cool so it's only uh, like 15 minutes long but they just come out and they just hit the shit out of it wow cool good stuff you know, good list yeah yeah you know, there's more if i thought about it but yeah definitely paul simona would be up the top of that i heard he's doing something cool right now i don't remember what it was but he got he's playing with somebody he's doing doing some gig that's actually taken off doing a cool thing i can't remember who it was but yeah i look it up what was that band you had havana 3 a.m mm-hmm. they were good they were pretty yeah. good I never saw them, but um, I heard I heard the same. A couple it was a kind of an all star band of some sort. The guitar yeah. player was somewhat of note. The drummer was somewhat of note. Was he in the Blasters? No, something oh. like that though. One of those kind of. I think I want to say California bands. Ben, what have you got? Question wise. Well, I'm, you know. I was. I got a lot of questions for Jesse Mallon. Um, <laughs> Tommy, I saw. I, I saw the replacements every chance I got, starting with uh, the Let It Be tour, and um, and then saw you. Saw all the Bash and Pop shows I could see. Saw all the Perfect shows I could see. I've seen you solo a bunch of times. But those replacements reunion tour shows that I got to see were all great. And I'm so sad that seemingly by the end of it, you guys had had enough. Um, yeah. But uh, the best of all of them, and one of the best replacement shows I ever saw was the one in um, Queens at the Forest Hills yeah. Tennis Day. It was such a magical night. And I, but you told a really funny story that night about almost breaking your nose, or maybe you did break your nose earlier in the in the day. You had yeah, I was falling in a train <laughs> stop. Really, or really fucked up. So <laughs> I was I was running for the train literally from my house and. Um, the sidewalks up here are in desperate need of fixing and it was and you run downhill to get to the train station i heard the train coming i'm like oh fuck i run so i i, I step on it and i trip the sidewalk is so just all jacked up 100 year old shit and i fucking trip on it and i fall kind of land on my face got my backpack on stuff i'm like okay fuck it get up i make it to the train but the kind of training the conductor's going, you need a hospital, you need a doctor right now. And I'm like, why am I getting my nose bleeding? And they sit me down and they see that I'm really pale. And they like, we're, they call the fucking paramedics. They weren't going to let me on the train. I'm like, I, I got to go. I, I got a gig tonight and blah, blah, blah. You can't get on the train like that. And so I'm sitting there bleeding. And I finally, and, and they bring me inside and they got the paramedics looked at me. He goes, they're looking at how pale I am. And I, and they're just, and my nose is bleeding and he's, and he's gone. Oh, you easily broke your nose. And I'm just kind of going, wait. And I'm like, no, I didn't break it. And I go, wait a second. Hold on. Give me a minute. I get up. I go look in the bathroom. I'm going, yeah. So I fucking tripped. I kind of had a little cut above my eye. You know, I hit the, from hitting the, the sidewalk. And I'm like, wipe that away. I'm like, fuck. So I walk out and I go, dudes, check it out. 
I have vitiligo. That's why I'm so pale. And two, my nose always fucking looks like this. It's always <laughs> looked like that. It ain't broken. I'm just bleeding. And, and they're like, okay, cool. So let me on the next train. <laughs> to, to which I get to, I get to, you know, I, I get to Penn station and I go up and they're waiting in the van outside for me. I go just get in the van and, and it's real quiet. They're looking at me like, then no one wanted to ask me like what happened. I'm sitting next to Paul. He looks at, he gives me the weirdest look. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> so I fell. They thought, I mean, fuck, I think he got thought I'd been up all night and got in a fucking fist fight or whatever right. the fuck, you know? It's like, no, I fucking fell. I was running for the train and fucking tripped on the sidewalk. Fucking bit it. Those shows must have been a trip because, I mean, there's no way that you could have known, like, you know, playing fuck up and sticking to your guns and the replacements would pay off like that years down the line. That yeah. wasn't a thing, you know? But it seems like now it is, but it wasn't before. Yeah, you know, the the unfortunate aspect of doing the reunion gig is that we probably should have stopped about a month earlier. We, um, I think, uh, for all practical purposes, I think that we kind of wore it out. Um, unfortunately, I mean, I, you know, we had some some issues with you know management issues going on that were that put a rift between Paul and I a, a little bit. And then, mm. um, and it just kind of left a nasty flavor, I think in both of our mouths, but, uh, unfortunate. Cause I think if we'd quit, you know, we hadn't gone to, you know, Europe per se, I think we would have probably had left it with a better vibe, which would have been good. But I think we kind of left it in sort of the same way we left it in Chicago, <laughs> uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know that. I, I, I'm sorry yeah. about that. Yeah, no, I am too. It was a bummer. Um, yeah, you know, clash of the management, typical. Yeah, it is. Have you got? Have you? Have you? Have the two of you gotten past that yet? Uh, we haven't spoken, actually. Um, no, well, I mean, we we got past that, yeah, and you know, but I haven't spoken to him in a few years now. It's been like probably three years. Um, don't know exactly what's up with that, but don't really worry about it too much. You're bumming me out. Yeah, sorry, dude. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was just check. I was just checking in with Herb a little while ago to get Cowboys back down to Liars Club. That would be great. Yeah, I had, we had a, I had a really fun show there. I liked I liked that room. That was fun. I would love to see the Cowboys in there. Yeah, we just um, we just upgraded. We just um, we just grabbed a fucking upright bass player friend of ours, Chops, to come play with us as well, just to kind of up our game a little bit. And uh, so when we come through, it'll be a three piece, sometime in June probably. That sounds but, perfect. Um, yeah, the record coming out in June second. We're gonna follow through with, you know, trying to come longer. Yeah, longer. It's called wronger chip came up with that more wrong than wrong wronger more wrong wronger. than wrong yeah <laughs> um you know gonna hopefully come through and you know do the whole song and dance like i said earlier my, my sister asked me actually it was today she said do you really still like doing what you do and i said yeah i do and i i was otherwise i wouldn't do it because i um it is a lot of work i mean even even of all the fucking different incarnations of whatever band i've been in or whatever um, it is still work, yeah. Um, but I do enjoy it. I do, and definitely enjoy the creative process still and playing in front of people. It's fun. You'd like yeah. it still, right, Scott? Oh yeah. 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 And I agree, you know, it is work. And sometimes you're like, 
Jesus, this is a grind, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, what's that line in the Shoeless Joe line in Field of Dreams where he's like, I'd have done it for nothing. I feel like that a lot. You know? Yeah. 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 A lot of times we do do it for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if you remember the first time we met, Local H was playing some club in L.A. And after the shows, I'd go, hey, I'm going to walk around with a CD. If you want one, come, come and get one and you walked up to me and i wasn't even looking at you and you're like how much is a cd i'm like yeah it's 10 bucks give me 10 bucks okay cool and you walk away and i'm like was that was yeah. that and then who was it at the troubadour or something or d- do you remember gate where it was it was the troubadour or which tour like 90 96 i think we were on tour with uh fucking uh, uh i think it was the three by five tour with, yeah, because it was that guy who was engineering right. for you, right? The sound man who it was the sound man was. for Stanford Prison Experiment. For some reason, the the do you know those dragon, guys? The dragonfly sounds. The familiar. dragonfly, yeah, wow, the dragonfly. My girlfriend was a DJ that night. Oh, that's why you were there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, I guess at that point she would have been my girlfriend still. Yeah. She's still DJing. No, no, no. She hadn't DJ there forever, but um, you know, she's still a good friend. Yeah. With some light, love and adore. Well, thanks for doing this. Yeah. I, I love and adore you. And uh, Yeah, I love you back, Palio. Everything you've done is great, <laughs> and I'm really excited about this new stuff. Cool. Well, hopefully uh, we'll see you soon in Chicago or somewhere close. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah where's that, where does that door that seems to go into nowhere really go, Scott? My door? <laughs> oh, that's the... Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. That's the... Uh, <laughs> That that's where the ra- that's where the rainbow ends. That's uh, <laughs> that's the laundry room. Uh, oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. It just seemed like a door to nowhere kind of yeah, thing. It kind of is. <laughs> looks it's like in Mr. the middle Rogers. of the wall in a funny way, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind it looks of like, like an M.C. Step. Escher drawing or something you got going on in here. I'm living in an M.C. Escher drawing. <laughs> Aren't we all? Yeah.
at the difference. Look at the two faces that you're looking at, Scott. Look at how mad Gabe is. (laughs) So mad. (laughs) No, I'm not mad. You're a little mad, aren't you? No, I'm not mad at all. (laughs) For about 40 minutes, you looked pretty mad. (laughs) No, I wasn't ready. Wasn't prepared. That's why I was not in the best of modes, but... All right, we'll talk about it. Here's the intro. All right, Gabe. Something's about to happen on this episode, and you're not going to be happy about it. I don't understand. Okay. All right, so... (laughs) 